0: Welcome to Wine Road, the wine, when, and where of Northern Sonoma County. I'm your host, Marcy Gordon, with Beth Costa, Executive Director of the Wine Road. Today's show is sponsored by Ron Rubin Winery. Without their financial support, we would not be here recording today. They've come to our rescue and are sponsoring our podcast for the entire year. We encourage you to get to know them. Check out their website by visiting ronrubinwinery.com. Welcome to Episode 166. Today, our guest is Karen McNeil, author of The Wine Bible. Welcome, Karen. We're so glad you're here.
1: Thanks, Beth and Marcy. Happy to be with you.
0: So I just want to tell people, this is the third edition of The Wine Bible. I have edition one and two personally. Is, <laughs> I, I have edition one. It's kind of ragged. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, a, it's a great resource. And, um, and now it's in color. And Karen, I have to say, why? The color, it really makes it pop. It's just amazing. Um, tell us a little bit about... What went into the third edition?
1: Well, um, you know, the first edition took about 10 years to write, and the third edition took five years. So I'm, I'm getting very fast. That's the <laughs> yes. um, Speeding along. Yes. But, um, you know, the world, as you both know, because you know wine well, um, the world of wine is so big now. Um, you really... Uh, it's almost getting hard to be a globalist like me because you, you know, on the one hand you have to know Croatia, but on the other hand you have to know South Africa and England and China, and then all of the classic regions: France, Italy, Spain, Germany. So um, it is a a giant research project. Um, but what what brings wine to life for me? are all the things around it, the history, culture, art, food, religion, all the things that surround wine, are um, uh, I, I kind of put back into um, my book in the form of hundreds of side boxes, which are so much fun, I think, to read. You don't have to read the Wine Bible, page 1 to page 800. You can just dip in anywhere mm-hmm. and... My goal is that there's something really fascinating, a kind of, I didn't know that, um, on every page.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it's those sidebars that make this such an accessible book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, it's for everybody, really. And I was going to say, how should you approach it? But jumping right in is usually the best way. And it's actually the most fun, too. Definitely. One thing I was going to ask you, I noticed there are the new chapters on Great Britain and Israel and Croatia, which I'm super happy to see because I'm, I consider myself she's a, a minor expert on Mar- Croatia. Mar- Mar- she's a
2: fan of Croatia.
0: And uh, how? Wow. What, what criteria do you use to qualify a country for inclusion? Like, what are you looking for?
1: Yes, I, I'm looking for two things. Um, one is, has that place had either a history of great wine or is it, is it coming up... So fast, in such an unlikely uh, way, and is the wine quality so great that you just simply have to include it? Right. So uh, an example of the latter would be um, Southern England. You know, 20 mm-hmm. years ago, no, no book on wines of the world probably ever felt the need to include Southern England Right. So southern England is the brother yeah is the brother of champagne. It's the same band of limestone uh-huh. underneath champagne that arcs up over Paris, uh, outcropped on the white cliffs of Dover, and then runs under um, southern England and those sparkling wines in the last few years have just become sensationally good mm-hmm. and in the case of a place like Croatia or Slovenia, you know these countries were uh, historically part of the austro- hungarian Empire, and during that time these those countries uh, the countries of the austro- hungarian Empire made the greatest wines in the world we don't we haven't known about them for many decades because uh, all of those countries were under communist rule for decades, and under communist rule, the goal was just to make you know, passable wine, serviceable wine for as many people as possible, not necessarily great wine. So countries like Croatia now, though, are going back to their roots of making great wine. And so that is, you know, that's super exciting and historically important. So um, I would say those are the two main criteria for including uh, a place in
0: the wine bible. Absolutely. And even that's where we get our Americans infidel is from the Czernina Kastelansky or the Tribadag of Croatia. So certainly deserves to be in the wine bible. Um, What do you see? um, What do you think the next wine region waiting to break out is? What do you see? What's on your crystal ball for that?
1: (laughs) Well, um, I think two regions that we don't know here in the States, we don't know very much and we don't see them a lot. Are um, Romania and Bulgaria. So those two regions make a lot of wine and they are probably in line after, let's say, Croatia and Slovenia. Um, another important region is Turkey. Um, you know, Armenia is already sending wine to the United States and Georgia certainly is. Mm-hmm. But um uh Eastern Turkey was along with Georgia and Armenia and Azerbaijan, one of the early domestication sites for for grapevines and Turkey has a long history before um, uh, Islamic rule a long history of making grape wine, so Turkey might be in in the running and then you know we haven't nearly yet explored all of the possible places in China, which is such a big country, um, and there are already uh, fantastic regions in China making fine wine. So um, there, are, there are several places, I think, on the radar.
0: It's almost like your next edition is going to have to be two volumes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm trying actually to keep it to one volume because Um, You know, you feel like you could keep writing and writing and writing, because as you're writing, you become even more fascinated by certain places. But then I kind of turn the binoculars around and think, but what would be good for wine drinkers? What would be wonderful for them? And I think today, you know, to do a two-volume book, uh, you would really reduce the number of people in your audience because right. that
2: would seem You wouldn't be able
1: to then just yeah, yeah. Throw the book in the trunk and take it with you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so
0: I do love the yeah. color. I mean it really I thought well how big a difference is colour. It makes a huge difference, these maps, everything pops. It's just gorgeous. It to life
1: more.
2: I I feel like Thank um you. I'm always interested to know how it is, especially someone at your level of of you know, this much knowledge and the of the wine community, what spurred your interest to begin with? I mean, was it were you 20 years old and had some epiphany with wine? Or what started you down this path?
1: I think I was 15 years old, and it was Bulgarian red that cost 89 cents. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I started very humbly. And I did not have uh, parents who drank wine. Um, you know, I, I often don't, Quite know how to answer that question. I wish I could say, "Oh yes, I had an uncle who poured Chateau Lafitte for me, and that was the moment." But um, my love of wine grew um, from a very humble start, and it grew sort of organically. I, I loved. I've always loved food, and I, I love the fact that wine and food together. Two of the greatest pleasures in the world are accessible to everyone, right? I mean, you don't have to be a rich person
2: mm-hmm.
1: to have really a phenomenal glass of wine or uh, an absolutely delicious dish of food, and and yet these two things give uh, you know uh, such enormous pleasure, simple pleasure. I also loved the fact that wine was a way of taking nature into your body. Um, there, there is nothing else like that. It's not, it's not like a consumer product. Not like a, a stereo or a bottle of shampoo or, I don't know, um, you know, a, a dish or something. It's, it is, it is this magical um, entity that 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 takes and makes nature available to all of us in a very personal way. And I, I guess the, the philosophy of that, the idea of that, I've always found enchanting and compelling and, and just fascinating.
2: For me, I really didn't begin to understand it until I was at least thirty, and even then it seemed kind of daunting and overwhelming so um yeah, I'm surprised interesting
1: <laughs> well you know wine is a little daunting sometimes, and yeah. i'm glad you know um i i I'm glad that I did not realize when when I was twenty <laughs> right. I'm glad that I did not realize <laughs> how how far the this can go world of wine is <laughs> right. Yeah, because I would have been completely overwhelmed. Uh, But luckily, I, you know, but you you realize that like food, you just start someplace, right? Right. You you start, so, you know, you you take a bite of a banana. Now you know what bananas taste like. And at some point, you know, you'll know what veal tastes like. Or I, I don't know. But one by one, you try things and you spend a whole lifetime eating different foods, and discovering different flavors, and nobody finds that too uh, intimidating to do. And I think wine is just like that because, you know, wine is merely liquid flavor. Food is solid flavor and wine is liquid flavor. There's, there's, uh, there's not, um, if you approach it that, in that simple way, then I think um, it becomes easier to think about.
2: I think yeah, I, that is exactly right. That's how I talk to people about wine now. It is just one at a time and, and decide what you did or didn't like about that particular one wine and just kind of keep going from there.
0: You know, Karen, I've heard you speak at different conferences before and you have such an interesting story about how you really came into wine, broke through into this industry. Have you ever considered writing a memoir?
1: I have. Uh, just recently, I've been thinking about that. So, I don't know if I will or not, but it's um, it's in it is in my mind yeah. because um, I I do have a, a bit of a circuitous and unconventional um, way of of coming into the industry, and I I think you know uh, about a book like the Wine Bible that if I could do it, and it was really unlikely that someone with my background could have ever done something um, as as big as this, then, you know, uh, there's a, I don't know, there's a story there because it means other people could do it as well. So so I may. Well, We'll I encourage
0: you. I'm all for it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) you. She's like,
2: okay, sold. (laughs) Yeah,
0: definitely. Well, I tell you, if I ever run for public office and I have to be sworn in, I'm swearing in on the wine Bible. Because Good idea. I love that. Thank (laughs) you. There's no law. Actually, I looked that up. There is no law requiring a religious text. It can be anything. So maybe, you know, if I get elected to city council, wouldn't that be great? You should promote that, Karen. Yep. Everyone the swear into Bible. office on I, the Wine Bible.
1: Thank you. That is great. I, a, a few years ago, a friend of mine uh, got, you know, a license to marry uh, two friends of ours uh, just to be the sort of the, the pastor, I guess, mm-hmm. for, the, for the day. And instead of having them, um, you know, he had them place their hands on the wine Bible yeah. and he married them. <laughs> it was very cute. I love
2: it. Yeah. Ah, festive, right out of the gate. Look at that, right on the cover, over 800,000
0: copies sold. I That's... know. It is, it is in the authoritative, you know, tome of our industry, I think. Uh, everyone I know has a oh, copy. Definitely. So when
2: I first started, this is the first book that someone gave me, the version one
0: Yeah. So this is just available through all the channels, Karen? I mean, we'll put a link into our show notes so people can find the book and also to your site so people can learn more about you. What else? Is there anything we should know or our listeners should know?
1: Yeah. Well, um, you know, yes, you can get the Wine Bible anywhere books are sold. But if you would like a a personalized and signed copy, because you plan to give it to someone... Mm -hmm. um, Then you can get one by going to Karen Or I have a free digital newsletter um, called Winespeed, one word, com. It comes to your inbox every Friday. It is free, and we have about 40,000 subscribers. Um, Marcy's one of them. uh, Yeah, I'm one of (laughs) them. Oh, good, good. Well, you—it's
0: fun, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love Wine Speed. Um, yeah, we'll put a link to that in our show notes. We'll put a link to the site, to the book, and I think we're reaching our time. Thank you so much, Karen, for taking the time. We love the book, um, Wine Bible. Great, well, just having you on the show. I yeah. thought, oh, excited! I have an excited reason to
2: come to the studio this morning. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Thank, Thank you so much you for joining
1: both. us. Mm-hmm. All right, Beth and Marcy, thanks so much. Okay. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye.
0: Bye. It's time for our Fast Five. Who do we have on the line now? It's Janae Franicevich from Sunte. Yay, hey, Janae. I love hearing from you. Great. What's your Fast Five recipe?
3: My Fast Five is a triangle of brie. And uh, you smother it with uh, fig spread, or it could be another favorite preserves that you have. I like apricot. Apricot, mm-hmm. that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, chopped walnuts, and then you um, you encase it just really crudely. It doesn't have to be nice and neat in um, pie dough. Uh-huh. And you can make the pie dough, but I always just buy it frozen.
2: So I'd buy the pie dough. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> Even in
3: the shell, and it doesn't sure. have to stay in the shell, right? And then uh, bake it. Uh, 300, 325 for 10 or 15 minutes, but check on it. And it should be nice and golden on the outside. And it cuts beautifully as an appetizer. And I I put them on the charcuterie platters, and people are just, they're amazed, they're floored by it. And they always ask for the recipe.
0: That sounds delicious. Well, now you hear it's here, folks. On the that's recipe. super simple. I love it. Um, what wine do you pair with that?
3: Oh, you could definitely have that with the Malvasia Nera. Yeah. Okay. So
0: <laughs> and definitely the fig jam. Oh yeah. Because right? that's that's tie in, very that tight. Dalmatian. Thing. Yes. Very yes. Dalmatian. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. We'll put the recipe. We'll put all the ingredients, and take Perfect. it away. Lovely. Wonderful. Thank wonderful. you. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
2: So uh, that was awesome to have Karen on the show. Yeah. I mean, that was, how cool. It's like, you know, I'm a fan.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's such a well-known book. It, it's really fun.
2: Yeah, that was awesome. So the only thing that I really wanted to mention is that um, Barrel Tasting tickets will go on sale in about a week. Uh, Barrel Tasting is March 3rd, 4th, and 5th. We've got about 60 wineries uh, signed up. There might be a few more in the next week or so. So uh, hopefully you can join us
0: then. I think that's kind of it for our show today. Alrighty, we'll put everything in the show notes and we'll see you on the wine road. Sounds like a plan. Thanks for joining us.